Welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines, midterm election right around the corner. So today, as summer is heating up, we're talking politics with Shannon Murphy. As I said, our guest today, Shannon Murphy, and joining me as always, the one, the only, the emperor of the summer solstice, John Heiner. Why, thank you, Eric, for that kind introduction. Um, You know that I spend most of the winter talking about summer, so I'm happy to say we're here this morning, Tuesday morning, on the first day of summer in Michigan. Should be a holiday, even though we're coming off a holiday. And uh, things are starting to heat up in Michigan, uh, not just uh, with the weather, um, but with political season. It's the midterm elections, 2022. Um, the last few election cycles have been pretty tumultuous. Um, MLive devotes a lot of resources to covering politics. And I thought we'd start off this hot summer season by talking about one of the hottest stories of the year, which is going to be the upcoming midterm elections this fall and the primaries in August. And here with me and us this morning, our guest is the editor who leads our political coverage in Michigan, Shannon Murphy. Welcome back to Behind the Headlines. Thanks, John. I'm excited to be here today. You're excited to be here. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> You're so you know funny. I love to be on the podcast. I, I appreciate my... it. Love to have <laughs> you on. I know that this is, you've been a multiple time guest and uh, always appreciate you coming back. Um, we've, we both have a lot going on in the political landscape, but also within MLive as we're, as we're covering this this year, some changes for us. But first of all, why don't you just uh, talk a little bit about the landscape that uh, we're looking at as we go into coverage some of the, the really big stories, um, you know, everything seemed to change in the last um, six years with the, you know, the whole Trump emergence and and what that means now for the two party system. Um, I thought the oddness might wear off after a couple of years, but it really hasn't. I've been looking at the the uh, elections, the primaries that are happening in some other states. And it looks like the Trump coattail effect is still, you know, still in place. Michigan, of course, very tumultuous uh, election cycle that we came through in the presidential. Um, and there's still some lingering aftermaths of that. So as the person who oversees our political coverage, what are the, some of the big uh, topics and issues that are framing uh, for Michigan voters going into this fall? Sure. Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head that it's still tumultuous here. And I don't see that kind of slowing down anytime soon. Um, our, you know, our probably our biggest race we'll be watching in the state is the governor election. Um, Obviously, Democratic incumbent Gretchen Whitmer will be running on a most likely unopposed. Um, And then we have a field of currently five Republican candidates. And as you know, kind of the big story right now surrounding that was the five candidates that were disqualified for the uh, petition forgery scandal. Um, So that's kind of where we are right now, really monitoring that what happened there and what's next with, with that, um, kind of the front runners got knocked out. Uh, uh, chief James Craig was a former Detroit police chief who was kind of at the top of the Republican party, uh, nominee for that. They hadn't nominated anyone obviously, but he was kind of looking to be the front runner and he got disqualified. Uh, Perry Johnson was also knocked out as well as, uh, three other candidates in that. So it's kind of now anyone's ball game, although Tudor Dixon seems to be the one with the energy behind her right now. Um, she is a big Trump supporter. And so it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out in this election season. Um, as you mentioned before, 
you know, watching other primaries, which watch when what's going on with Trump candidates. Um, we're kind of watching the same thing over here. We have Tudor Dixon, who I think is really angling for Trump's endorsement. She has not received it yet. Nobody has um, in the governor's race, but he has backed uh, two other candidates, uh, Matt DiPerno, who's the Republican nominee for attorney general, and Chris, Christina Caramo, who is the nominee for the secretary of state. Um, so, and they're, they're really going hard after, you know, voters who supported Trump. And it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, not only in the primary, although they are, uh, those two races are nominated by the party. Mm -hmm. So they'll be running, you know, with the party support in August, but to see how it plays out in November will be very interesting. Yeah. And just to set the table for anyone who's not that versed in politics in Michigan, but right now, Democrats control uh, the governor's office, the secretary of state and the state attorney general are all uh, Democrats. They're all women. Um, obviously, Gretchen Whitmer is a bit of a lightning rod coming through COVID. Um, and for a while, it looked like the you know Republican political base was pretty energized. But to your point, which you just pointed out, some of the wind came out of the sails when uh, five candidates were disqualified. Interesting story a few weeks ago when Ryan Kelly, um, a, a governor candidate, Republican governor candidate, was arrested by the FBI for his uh, alleged role in the January 6th insurrection. Uh, it just seems to be kind of hard to follow, even with a program, um, a sense of usually by this point, you know who the main you know protagonists are in this in the drama, who's going to be running against who. I mean, you have a sense of that, you know, and James Craig getting knocked out. He was the one who had the name recognition really kind of, and it's been very, very quiet, obviously on the Democratic side, because they've got their candidates, but it, it feels like there's a little bit of lack of uh, first certainty, what we're going to see or sense of that, but any drama so far. Yeah, well, it is, <laughs> It's really kind of hard to predict what's going to happen next. I mean, this has been the whole time, like, you know, you people joke about, you know, I didn't have that on my bingo card of, you know, the next thing that happens. And it it feels that way all a lot, you know, we're like not really sure what's going to happen. You know, when you mentioned uh, Ryan Kelly's arrest by the FBI and um, it appears from the reporting we've done uh, that that actually bolstered his support among um, some Republicans mm -hmm. that, you know, they, before they might not have even really known who he was. Uh, but after that arrest, they took that as, uh, that the Democrats were going after him, uh, particularly because the announcement of his arrest came, uh, on the day that the January 6th committee started their hearings, uh, which a lot of people did not think was a coincidence. Right. So, oh, wait a minute. You stormed the Capitol? Man, that's some cred. That's some serious Republican cred. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't even know so much if if they look at that as Republican street cred, but a little bit. You know, I think it's more that they think that the government is um, targeting certain Republicans or people that they look at as, you know, patriots. Hmm. Uh, and Except for Kelly kind of looked at it as an opportunity to gain some cred off of it because he was out campaigning within days. Uh, he went up north. He was at a he was at a restaurant or bar up north, and people were coming out just to see him because he was kind of like a folk hero. 
Yeah, yeah. People told our report, we sent a couple reporters up there. He was up just north of Clare. Um, and yeah, people said, told us they didn't know who he was before. But after seeing that, they drove, some people drove an hour um, just to do a kind of a meet and greet with him and and hear his his platform. Um, and now he has that kind of support. Now, will it last long enough? Um, that's kind of the question. And is it enough? Uh, and right now, none, no one seems to be such a front runner in this race for the Republicans that it's, you know, a given for anybody right now. Um, when do you think yeah. we'll see some polling off, off of that? I mean, I mean, cause leading into the primary there, obviously, uh, there's going to be oh, somewhere between four and six Republicans probably, right. Who are going to be vying for the Republican nomination. We'll probably see some polling start coming out this summer. Yeah. And we have seen some polling start to come out, um, you know, for, for us, we don't rely so on polling. We learned in 2016 that it was not complete, you know, not super accurate. I mean, Hillary Clinton had the lead in all of the polls almost, um, you know, right up until election day. And, and we saw what happened there. So we take the polling with a grain of salt. Um, you know, when, when it, the polling was done, um, what was interesting was before the candidates were disqualified when the Mackinac Policy Conference, which is the big uh, conference on Mackinac Island in, at the end of May, they were doing a um, gubernatorial debate and several of the candidates were had pulled too low to even take part in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then five were disqualified and that kind of changed things a little, several more, now they couldn't participate. Um, we saw, I saw some polling, uh, last week or the week before that Ryan Kelly had started to come up in the ranks, but Tudor Dixon, who seems to be a, you know, portraying herself as the front runner for a long time was not even polling in the, in the top, mm. you know, uh, the top ranks of that. So it's, it'll be very interesting to see what happens and to see if a Trump endorsement comes out and what that will do for the race. Um, and if that'll suddenly catapult someone into the spotlight, but you know, there, there seems to be a, a lot of candidates that are portraying themselves as grassroots. Um, Garrett Saldano is one of those candidates, um, that isn't polling super high, but has a pretty strong base support. Mm -hmm. What, what's your sense? I mean, it seems inevitable <clears throat> that Trump has to way in in Michigan and, and get behind somebody. He he made it a point um, to go after Whitmer during the early days of COVID with uh, when COVID restrictions were in Michigan uh, in place and causing a lot of backlash. He kind of capitalized on that and went after her personally. Uh, also because of his ego it would seem he wouldn't want a lot of swing state go. Is there any sense when that might happen? Uh, not Not so much who, but when? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure um, on when it's really hard to predict when those might come. Um, usually it's a little bit closer to the election. So I imagine in July, um, we'll see something from him. I will say um, he has named Tudor Dixon. He has name dropped her at rallies. Um, there was one in Michigan earlier this year where he mentioned her by name. So I think a lot of the a lot of pundits think she's going to be the one who gets his endorsement. 
Although the Ryan Kelly arrest will throw a wrench in that because, uh, you know, Trump has recently talked about the uh, insurrection and the people who were arrested and, you know, last week or over the weekend alluded that he would pardon, potentially pardon those who were arrested. Um, so he could see what's going on with Ryan Kelly and and kind of swing his way on that. In terms of timing, I think we'll know when the all the uh, sports betting ads on TV start to get replaced by political ads. We'll know that the things are really heating up and getting close. Right. Um, at the top of the ticket, um, you know, it's been kind of radio silence from our incumbent governor. Um, she kind of kept a really low profile. Uh, you know, you know, we're in the netherworld of COVID where it's still around, but there's no, no real restrictions. So, and she backed off of that anyways, quite a while ago. It's been probably almost a year since she made any noise with that. Uh, you don't see a lot of, uh, she's not in the news a lot. Um, she's just laying low until she has a, an opponent, um, build a strategy around that. Or she, but, you know, or is she kind of quietly out building up her campaign war chest? You know, I think it's a, a little of both. Um, you know, she hasn't been campaigning, um, you know, strictly with her campaign a lot lately. She has been out a lot. We get a lot of press releases about um, road work that she's mm -hmm. behind. You know, she's still kind of on that fix the damn roads um, platform. So, you know, every day I get another press release of, you know, Governor Whitmer announces this road project. Um, and she's been going to a lot of, road construction projects and, and doing, you know, press events there. Um, I do think she'll start, you know, after the primary, once she knows who she's facing, um, that's when I think we'll start to see more from her on the campaign front. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have to say, I guess she's fixing the roads because I run into construction. <laughs> I know I can barely get around my, <laughs> my around town here. I'm going to Lake Michigan a lot. 994 has like six construction zones going across the state. So yeah, I, I guess maybe she's doing that. Um, what about right now issues that might, is there any outstanding ballot initiatives, anything that petitions are being collected on? Um, I, I don't think there are this year. Um, so there, so there are, there were several that didn't make it um, on the ballot, um, that they didn't have enough signatures. So they chose to just kind of move on to try to still collect signatures and bring their initiatives before the legislature. And some All of those right. are some voting rights. Um, yeah, because Michigan's got kind of that shortcut. Um, right. where the legislature has imposed itself on a number of ballot initiatives. So I, I'm not aware of any, but I, you know, usually in um, uh, a midterm or presidential year, we usually have a couple of things make their way on the ballot, but I'm, I'm not seeing or hearing anything this year um, or at least even seeing petition takers out. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen a lot of them um, around uh, the deadline is passed to get on the ballot this year. Um, there is one that would change the term limits um, and financial disclosure requirements um, that did make it onto the ballot, that will make it onto the ballot. Um, the others that are more of the Republican-led voting rights, 
And another one that would, well, the one that would repeal the governor's emergency powers, that that was approved by the state legislature. So as you mentioned, that shortcut that allows the legislature to approve a ballot initiative that has enough signatures prior to it getting on a ballot. And I may be wrong, I don't know it's from me, but is that not being contested in court? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. All right. My head right Fair now. enough. <laughs> There's a I, lot going on. <laughs> there is, there is. Um, you're listening to Behind the Headlines, uh, MLI podcast today. We're talking about the political season that's heating up. And we have uh, our editor overseas political coverage, Shannon Murphy, with us. And we're talking about the political landscape in Michigan. One of the big stories of the year, um, we covered you know, all of the, the past year leading up to it, was redistricting. That came out of the 2020 census, uh, political redistricting in Michigan, and that really created uh, some some fresh races and uh, put the spotlight on a couple high profile people in Michigan. Um, you know, Peter Meyer is a first termer out of the Grand Rapids area, um, who's a Republican, but uh, seen by some hardcore Republicans as not Republican enough. Is is uh, you know he's in the he's in the crosshairs. Uh, Debbie Dingell had to move um, a long time uh, lawmaker had to move. She chose to move um, uh, to follow her new district lines. What are, what are some of the bigger races that are happening as a result of redistricting or things that we might expect to see in Michigan uh, as fallout from that? Sure. Um, well, you mentioned the Peter Meyer race. Uh, that should be an interesting one to watch, uh, not so much because of redistricting, but as you mentioned, because, um, you know, Meyer supported the impeachment uh, proceedings for Trump and he has come out strongly against the insurrection on January 6th. Um, so that should be an interesting race uh, against uh, John Gibbs, um, who's he, he's running against, who is the Republican running against him, who is a more of a Trump supporter. Um, we're actually, Right now, one of our reporters is kind of working on a profile about that race and how it should be one to watch. Um, another race that should be interesting to watch is what is now uh, the 11th district, which is Oakland County area. Um, it's going to actually pit two incumbents against each other uh, with the moves, with the redistricting. And that's uh, Andy Levin and Haley Stevens, who were in different districts, but now will be in the same one. So they're running against each other. And that one has been interesting to watch. We're going to start getting a little bit more into reporting on that one. Uh, one of our reporters has been is going to be following those campaigns around, um, you know, because the, the those two Democrats uh, typically worked pretty well together, and now they're they're kind of going on the attack a little bit more with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and they're they're right now the campaign is really focused on who's more pro Israel. Um, which is interesting to me because it's not an issue. I think that the general po population in Michigan cares that much about, mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of where they're focused right now. Hmm. And okay. uh, a couple other interesting districts uh, will be uh, district 13. It's a Detroit district that Brenda Lawrence uh, was in. She's retiring. And so it's a lot of newcomers now. Well, I would say, I say newcomers, there'll be names in there that people are familiar with, but no incumbents running. So there, it's a very large field of candidates right now. Okay. And 
then, you know, the other one that was going to be interesting that's kind of changed was the one that is now um, Heisinga and is running uh, apparently unopposed for the Republican uh, nomination that would have, he would have been pitted against um, Fred Upton, who is choosing not to run. Right. It's finally, he's retiring. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I want to point to uh, for the sake of our readers and listeners is uh, something that might be a really good resource for people, especially in a year where there's been redistricting, a lot of new names, um, maybe not some really hot, like really hot issues that are going to drive a lot of like maybe even political advertising around issues. And that is the uh, MLive Voter Guide. Uh, that we've been running for, you know, years and years in Michigan, every, every major election cycle. Can you talk a little bit about the voter guide, what it is, uh, what's in it and how people can access it? Sure. Um, so for, I believe, I want to say the third midterm, um, we partnered with the League of Women Voters of Michigan uh, to provide a comprehensive voter guide to our readers. Um, the League of Women Voters guide is on vote411.org. Uh, it actually launches this week. Uh, I believe the date is June 23rd that they're planning to launch, which is around when absentee ballots go out. Um, so that will have, that's filled out by candidates. It has a series of questions and then you can compare candidates to each other within those districts. You can see your own ballot. Um, and we'll be using a lot of that content for our preview stories on candidates so people can learn more about them. That will be both on MLive.com and in our print publications. Uh, so we'll be using all that content to really inform readers on the candidates, what they stand for, what, how they've answered questions on, on certain um, policy issues. And then we'll be taking some of that and putting that in print uh, to give our readers kind of a full picture of who's on the ballot. Yeah, and what are some of the key dates where people could start looking for, for that that information on candidates? Right. Well, vote four one one launches uh, this week on June twenty third, and we'll be very quickly in not just our uh, political team at the statewide level, but all of our uh, local markets uh, will be right away starting to do candidate previews. So I would say early July is when we can start to anticipate stories on candidates uh, coming out on MLive and, and in our publications. Yeah, great. Hey, we mentioned some new faces that Pete voters are going to have to get uh, familiarized with. MLive has some new faces on its political team. Um, we had some, a, a kind of a sea change this, this spring uh, where some of our longtime staff members moved on to other opportunities, but uh, we've re reloaded for the campaign season and we're feeling pretty good about it. Can you, can you talk about uh, some of the additions to our staff and, and what they're focusing on? Sure. Um, I'm really excited about our political team. It's, it's for us a brand new team, but it's people who have been around um, for a long time covering politics in Michigan or elsewhere. Uh, so uh, we have our newest hires are uh, Ben Orner, he is. He came to us from uh, NBC Four in Columbus, um, where he was he covered a variety of things, but was focused a lot on data reporting, which I think will be very helpful uh, as we kind of get into numbers and polling and campaign finance. Um, he's covering the attorney general, both the race and the department. Uh, Secretary of State 
and a lot of stuff about election information or misinformation. You know, we found in 2020 um, that a lot of people maybe were not totally informed on in how elections operate mm-hmm. and run. And there was a lot of misinformation out there. So we're really trying to kind That's of- That's an understatement. <laughs> That's my understatement of this century, yeah, I think, the, yes. White vans delivering boxes of ballots and voting right. machines that were pre-rigged and yeah. So, yeah, so we have plans with Ben um, to do a lot of kind of just explaining mm-hmm. to people how the election process works, what they should be seeing at the polls when we're counting. There was a lot of people who didn't understand that absentee ballots can't be counted ahead of time. So when those started rolling in late, um, that I think a lot contributed a lot to the confusion and the misinformation. Um, Simon Schuster has joined us as a senior political reporter. Um, he was most recently the executive director of the Michigan Michigan Campaign Finance Network. Uh, so he'll be covering the governor. Uh, race and and the uh, the seat, and as well as working with Ben on election information, and I'm really excited because he's kind of our political numbers guy. He can he knows how to find anything in campaign finance, uh, new PACs that are formed, uh, filings for candidates. So I think it'll be it'll really heighten our political coverage to tell people the complete story of, of numbers and, mm-hmm. and money going in and out. Um, Jordan Hermini uh, just recently started with us. Uh, she was most recently with Gongwer New Service and uh, had a stint with Political and Politico. And then some people may remember she was an intern at the Ann Arbor News several mm-hmm. years ago with us. So we brought her back. Uh, she'll be covering the legislature, particularly the House. Um, and then Alyssa Burr, uh, who is our, currently our advanced fellow, getting mm-hmm. her master's at Syracuse. Um, she has, she's going to be covering the Senate for us. So Jordan and Alyssa will kind of be partners in covering the state legislature very closely. That's a lot of uh, experience in reporting firepower. Uh, loaded up for you as the, as the person overseeing all the political coverage. So you must be feeling pretty good going into the election season. I'm very, very excited about it. And, you know, I, last time I was in the office with everyone, um, just listening to them talk and, you know, their story ideas, and they're so passionate and very excited about the coverage that they can bring to readers and, you know, what kind of issues we're covering this year. And I'm really excited to pull that all together and see what we can, what we can do. Yeah, I'm excited too. You making any campaign promises? <laughs> no, I know better than that. <laughs> well, it's great having you here always, Shannon. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, good luck to you this weekend. Big life event going on. Um, our, our listeners, I don't want to give a spoiler here, but uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Shannon's getting married. And so we're really happy for her. Um, and so big summer for you and, uh, you got, you got a lot on your plate, but thanks for heading up our, our political team. Thanks for joining us on behind the headlines today and, and good luck to you. Thanks for having me. And as always, if you like what John and I are doing, like comment and share wherever you get your podcasts until next week, my friends, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Halkren, and this is behind the headlines.